Good morning and welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer. My name is Tom Short. So glad to have you along as we get in the Word of God, talk about it, pray about it, and allow it to transform our lives. This week, maybe the next couple of weeks, I want to be talking about a controversial subject, and that is the subject of creation and evolution. I hear so often on campus, people say to me, students walk by, I believe in science, I don't believe in God. What do they mean by that? They're not implying that we Christians don't believe in gravity or the periodic table or or basic mathematics or something of this nature. What they're saying and implying is that science, specifically the theory of evolution, has erased the need for God. And now that we understand evolution, we no longer need a God. And so I'd like to address this question and talk about it over the next couple of weeks. And we're going to talk about is evolution true? Is the Bible true? Does science really contradict what is actually said? Is what we observe contradictory to the Bible? I've got a feeling that you're going to learn a lot over these next couple of weeks. I've got a feeling that you're going to see things and learn things you've never learned before. And it'll be eye-opening. And not only that, I think it's what we talk about is going to be highly inspirational and encouraging to you. I think it'll it liberate your faith, and your faith will grow and explode in a good, good way as a result. So let's get into it, and let's talk, first of all today, about the importance of, of, of how God was always the explanation for the world. Now, Paul talked about this in Romans chapter 1, verse 20 where he says this, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. This is a basic statement that has been believed by people for millennia, that, that you, there is a God, and it's obvious it's logical, it's reasonable, it's common sense. You can't have a creation without a creator. And this is what, and Paul says that not only is this obvious, that, it, that there's something about God, God's great power that he could create this world, this universe, God's nature that is different than ours. We can't do what has been done. We can't create what God has created. We can't make it. There's something about his divine nature that we see in the creation that is over and above and greater than ours. Indeed, we learn a great deal about God just by looking at the creation, do we not? We, we learn, aren't you glad God didn't make everything black, white, and gray? He gave us color. We learn about the power of God in the, in the world. We learn about the incredible intelligence of God. The more we discover in the natural world of how this world works, we see what an intelligent God he is. We learn about life. We see life everywhere. Well, our God is a creator of life. And, and as I walk around, you know, the trees and the flowers, the grass, the bugs, things you can't even see, there's life everywhere because our God is a living God. Let me tell you how philosophers have made this argument a little bit more clear or a little bit more in, in depth. Let's look at it here. It's called the cosmological argument. Basically, it says this, everything that begins to exist has a cause. The universe began to exist, therefore the universe has a cause. Now, by the way, it's important to state it this way because whenever we make this argument, 
the skeptic will say, well, then who created God? If everything needed a creator, then who created God? And to be accurate, what we will say is everything that begins to exist has a cause. Not that everything has a cause, but everything that begins to exist has a cause. God is eternal. God never began to exist. And so he, this this axiom of life, of everything in the, in, the, in the world, would not relate to God because God had no beginning. Everything that begins to exist has a cause. The universe began to exist, therefore the universe has a cause. Now, a lot of people will, will agree with this, but we'll take it a step further. And I'm going to say the universe could not have caused itself. All right, because the universe began to exist, so began before the universe began to exist, it wasn't there. So it couldn't have caused itself. Since the universe is made of space, time, and matter, something other than space, time, and matter must have caused the universe. Maybe I would say since the universe is composed of space, time, and matter, something other than space, time, and matter must have caused the universe. In other words, i.e., something infinite. Another, other than space, something eternal other than time, and something non-material or, or spiritual other than matter must have caused the universe. Voila, what do we have? We got God. That's the God of the Bible. Infinite, eternal, spiritual. Must have been the cause of the universe. And this is this thinking, this way of thinking has been understood for, like I said earlier, for millennia. It made sense. It's reasonable. It's logical. I say to simple, when people ask for existence of God or proof of God on campus, I give them the little test. I say, you know, in the next five seconds, just with the data you have in front of you right now, no more research than what is available to you now, give me evidence that architects exist. You'd be surprised how many people can't answer this question until I tell them, well, there's a building. You don't have a builder without an architect. You don't have a builder without a building, a building without a builder. They begin to catch on. I say, give me evidence of an author. They still struggle with it some, but they, some of them figure out, well, you got a book. You can't have a book. All that information, all that data. If you, if you just had a pile of letters, that could happen naturally. But if you've got them put together so they convey information, that implies an author wrote it. If you had a pile of bricks over there, that would not require an architect. But if you have a building that was built with windows and floors and heating, cooling, electrical, all that stuff with design to it, it requires an architect. You go right on down. A watch requires a watchmaker. Glasses require an optometrist. Shoes require a shoemaker. A shoestring requires a shoestring maker. And when we think this out, that leads to a creation requires a creator. And that's, that's pretty obvious. Until 1858. In 1858, a guy by the name of Charles Darwin came and introduced a new theory in his book called On the Origin of Species by Means of Natural Selection, subtitled, are you ready for this? On, or the Preservation of Favored Races in the Struggle for Life. Now, very few people use that subtitle anymore because for obvious reasons. And they like to explain, well, that's not what Darwin meant. But we know from history that a lot of racist and people like Hitler who wanted racial purity used Darwin's teachings as a basis for his uh, 
pure wanting to create or bring the pure Aryan race and do away with all unfavored races in the struggle for life. Indeed, we know the name of his book, Mein Kampf, was simply My Struggle. And the connections with the theory of evolution are pretty clear and obvious to anyone willing to acknowledge it. But the point being that this new theory had a description, had an idea for how life could come about without needing a God, that it could explain all the order, the diversity, the the complexity of life simply through natural selection, mutations, and, and certain mutations having being favored and being able to adapt, and that natural selection would favor them. In the 19, about 1919, 1920, right around there, there was the famous Scopes monkey trial. After that, the challenge here was evolution was not allowed to be taught in the schools in Tennessee. Well, John Scopes, who actually I believe was a phys ed teacher, might have even just been a substitute teacher, taught some boys that they came from monkeys, and evolution was true. Word got out, and this was a test case put forth by the ACLU. They were looking for someone who would say evolutionary ideas and get arrested, and they could take it to court. John Scopes lost his trial. He was found guilty, but in the process, the ACLU lawyer um, made made the creationist lawyer, William Jennings Bryan, look foolish. And so while technically, legally, the evolutionists lost the case, through the press and through the, the, uh, the way it was reported and through the skill of the evolutionary lawyer with the ACLU, creationists looked stupid. Creationists looked dumb. It looked like, obviously, evolution is true. And from there, there became this cascading uh, rejection of creation and of embracing of evolution in our schools to the point where in 1973, the Supreme Court ruled you can't even teach creation. It's against the law to teach creation in schools. It's against the law. They did not rule it was unscientific. They ruled it was religious. And because they'd already ruled that religion is not allowed to be taught in our public schools, creation's out, evolution's in. And consequently, we have now generations, generations of people who've never heard a good argument in favor of creation, and all they've believed is evolution. And as far as they're concerned, the Bible's been disproven in its very first chapter. How do we deal with this? Has, in fact, the origin of species and Charles Darwin erased the need for God? Well, some people are convinced yes. And so we have a tremendous rise in our culture today. We cannot deny it of what's called the nuns, N-O-N-E-S. They have no religion. They're agnostic. They're not, they don't believe God can be known. They may call themselves spiritual, but they've rejected the Bible. And indeed, more and more with our young people today, they believe if there is spiritual truth, if there is something more out there, they don't think the Bible has the answer at all, largely because they think science has proven the early chapters of Genesis wrong and the foundation's gone. The whole Bible, the whole book is to be rejected. This is a widely held belief today. And we're losing our youth and we've lost, well, we've lost a couple generations. Maybe you've lost your kids or grandkids. And often it's because they've embraced this theory of evolution. Does evolution erase God? For some people, yes. 
For other people, they have what's called theistic evolution. They think that evolution is such an incredible process. And the more we understand and learn about things that Darwin never knew, the more we realize that couldn't have just happened naturally. And so they believe that they meld the two together and say God God created or God caused evolution. It's called theistic evolution, or some people would call it evolutionary creationism or something of that nature. And then you got people like me who've thought deeply about this, who've thought deeply about the theology of it, who've looked into the science of it, who've really explored, and we have what's called the creation science movement, which was started by Henry Morris and Dr. John Whitcomb, two, two professors, one theology, one an engineer, back in the late 60s. And we have today the scientific creation movement that, that really looks at the Bible and really looks at the scientific data and shows us things that a lot of, that the evolutionists don't show us. We're going to be looking at this over the next couple of weeks. We're going to look at a lot of things related to creation and evolution. I think you'll enjoy it. I sure have. I've learned to love science once I became a creationist. And we're going to look at some exciting things. So I hope you'll join us. Tell others about it. I hope you'll be here every day. We'll build on it. Each day we'll build upon the previous day. And it'll be important to hear them all. Okay? Father in heaven, we bless you today. And we just affirm you are our creator. We do believe that you made the heavens and the earth. We do believe that what exists had a cause. We do believe that your eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen through what you've created. We pray, Father, that in a world, in our world, which more and more people, their faith is being deconstructed, it's being destroyed because they believe that observable science has disproven the Bible. I pray, Father, that we would know how to address these questions and tear down every speculation raised up against the knowledge of God. I pray, Lord, that we would be wise and smart. I pray, Father, even if this isn't something that excites us now, we'd understand that the ideas we're discussing today and the next few days have destroyed the faith perhaps of, of more people perhaps than any other idea on this planet. It's a, it's a scary thought, Lord that what we're talking about has affected and destroyed the faith of more people than any other idea. And what Darwin has gave us has affected an entire culture. It's affected our whole Western world. It's affected the entire world. And so I pray we'd not be ignorant. I pray we know how to discuss this. I pray you'd educate us in, in dealing with this issue over the next few weeks. We pray these things and we bless you. We give you this day. Help us to shine your light and be strong, mighty in the Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Hey, I reiterate what I pray there. I have talked, I, I, I may have talked and debated more atheists than just about any living person in America today. Uh, there might be more than me, but there haven't, there, I don't think there's 10 of them. And I will tell you, the number one thing I'm given as a reason why people reject God out of the thousands of atheists I've talked to is this right here. In our church, we addressed this a little bit recently, and some people in a small group were saying, yeah, they're not all that interested in it. It doesn't, make, they, it doesn't bother them. They just believe. They just have faith. And I said, do you realize your kids, they don't have that attitude. You wonder why we're losing the next generation? A lot of it's it's two things. It's this theory of evolution and it's the sexual revolution. Those two things account for 95% of 
the people who've walked away from the faith. And so, let me tell you, we better find answers. So we'll be talking about it the next couple weeks. If you're new, welcome. I hope you hit the subscribe, notify, like the video, share where you're from, leave a comment. Uh, if there's particular things you want me to address in the next few weeks, leave a comment below and I'll answer questions, okay? To all of you here regularly, I love you guys. God bless you. Have a great day. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Remember, might the peace of God fill you and strengthen you. Might you be strong and mighty in the Lord. Love you guys. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.